Before we dive into our uh, sermon for this morning, our lesson from Scripture, uh, one thing I wanted to point out is, uh, you heard on the video announcements, Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. And this year, um, as a a body of Christ uh, for Lent, we're going to walk through the practice of fasting together. We invite you to join us in that. If you go to the the information center in the back, um, the welcome center back there, you will find information back there that will walk you through what we're going to do. Um, It comes in a couple of different ways, a handy-dandy little bookmark. Um, It's a two-sided bookmark, and I'll explain why. Or um, if you want more information and want more of an in-depth day-by-day, week-by-week walk through this journey of fasting, there is uh, papers back there that, that has that for you. So what we're doing is we're offering two different tracks, um, two different ways that you can join in in fasting because we realize um, the first track is food, right? Fasting, when we think of fasting, it's often I'm going to give up or not eat of something or food in general uh, for a certain amount of time. And we're going to practice that um, together as uh, a body of Christ. Um, and we, we have a, a week-by-week way that you can enter into fasting, ending on the week before Easter, um, the week of Easter, I should say, where you just fast all week until your first meal on Monday, Thursday, where you partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, and it's, it's all laid out in the bookmark. It's all laid out on the information sheets in the back. But we also understand giving up and fasting from food for long periods of time is, is difficult for some of us. That would be me. Um, and, and so we wanted to offer a different way that you could enter into this practice of fasting, enter into this practice of giving up so you can understand and experience the Lord in a different way. And so we offer a different track, and we're calling it the lifestyle track. Um, this includes giving up uh, media, right? We're calling it media-free car rides, turning off the radio, turning off your podcast, turning off anything that can distract you while you're driving in the car so you have time and silence. Um, Positive talk, homemade meals. Instead of going out, make a meal and invite someone over. Uh, Donation, don't use the dishwasher for a week. Take time instead to wash dishes as a family, to spend time catching up on your day as you wash dishes. And then the last one, Try going a week without using any of your light switches. Find alternative sources of light, ways that we can give up the everyday conveniences that we love in order to experience God in a new way. So we're excited about that. This kicks off Wednesday, but you can pick these up today. Um, We'll explain a whole much more of why it's important to do what we're going to do and, again, what we're going to do on Wednesday. So I encourage you to join us Wednesday in Mosaic at 7 o'clock for our Ash Wednesday service. All right. I want to start uh, today's uh, lesson with a story. A couple of weeks ago, My wife, Danielle, um, was driving our two youngest kids to her parents um, because her mom watches our kids on Mondays. And on the way, um, Ellery had a question about prayer. See, our kids love to be the ones to pray before dinner. Sometimes it's even frustrating how much they want to pray because they end up fighting over who gets to pray first. I'm like, we're missing the point. But anyways, uh, they love to pray before dinner. And, and, you know, as little, little ones... Um, it started with very simple prayers, 
Right? I think of my, my youngest, Easton, right now. He's two, and his prayer is, amen. Literally, that's, that's his prayer. You know, and we're like, hey, he's doing it. That's what matters. But as they've grown, their prayers have grown more, not complex, but more from the heart. More not things that we just do, but things that I actually care about. Moving from, thank you for this food, thank you for this day, amen, to, God, help my friend to feel better. God, help mom to feel better as she's sick. Help us to have a good night's rest so we can wake up tomorrow and have so much fun. Thank you for this food. They, they've gone into more heartfelt prayers. And a few weeks ago, Ellery at one of our dinner prayers, um, one of her requests to God was, God, keep the whole world safe. And on the way to get dropped off on that Monday... A few days after that prayer, she happened to mention to Danielle, she goes, Mom, I, I prayed to God, but he didn't answer my prayers. Now, confused, but also a little curious, Danielle uh, goes, well, what didn't he answer, Ellery? What did you pray for that he didn't respond to? And she goes, that the whole world would be safe. Why didn't he answer me? As a father, hearing that story from my wife, it melted my heart to see her heart for the world, right? That she, she wanted safety, but it also melted my heart because it got me thinking, how often do I ask that same question? Why didn't God answer? And we've probably all been there, right? The sickness didn't go away. The person you begged God to heal wasn't healed. The pregnancy test was negative once again. The job you were sure you were going to get that would just give your family the, the support it needed, it fell through. Another random act of violence breaks out on innocent children, kids on a campus. Chemicals are spilled and thrown all over innocent people's houses and so on and so forth. It seems as though all of our prayers and tears fall on deaf ears. And they're just pointless. And as those prayers go unanswered, it's possible that the pain of all of those unanswered prayers has even gone so far as to stain our understanding of God himself. Harden our hearts to the point where we think he doesn't care. He doesn't listen. He doesn't look out for me. He's distant. He's unmoving. He's unloving. He's angry. And sure, saying that out loud, it sounds a little crazy. But if we're being honest, I think we can all say we've had those thoughts internally. We've all had those moments where we think that, that it's true, that God is distant, he's angry, he's unloving, he doesn't care. But my hope is that as we turn to scripture today, as we turn to Jesus' teaching to his disciples on prayer, that we will see that it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite, and no matter the outcome of our prayers, it doesn't change who God's character is. So let's pray and then we'll dive into our scripture for today.
God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you, to pray, to be in your presence, to learn from your scriptures, from your spirit. God, give me the words that you want your people to hear. Speak, for we are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up. And give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks, asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Familiar passage, yes. Certainly a familiar formula for prayer that many have heard before that we call the Lord's Prayer. It's a simple, straightforward prayer that contains in such few words so much depth and so much meat. In those three simple verses, we could spend an eternity parsing it out what it means. But if you take Jesus' simple prayer, the, the way he tells his disciples to pray, and the stories that he follows it up with, you see that not only does Jesus tell them how to pray, he goes beyond the initial question to the heart of the issue of why do I need to pray? And you begin to see how deep and how profound what Jesus is teaching is. And today, in order to see that, I want to focus on three kind of observations, three statements almost that Jesus could make um, and, and in a way does make in this short teaching. Three major points. And they're best expressed in a question, in a question that's uh, similar to how Jesus might have responded in question form to his disciples or to anyone that had any objections to these teachings. And the first one is, is this, don't you know that God is our father? Don't you know that God is our father? Right away, he says, when you pray, say, Father, Father. 
And the term he uses there is Abba, which is dad, daddy. It's a term of endearment that is meant to imply a deep, passionate relationship between father and son or father and daughter. It's crazy, right? This is insane. Uh, we're, we're talking about the same God that made the heavens and the earth from nothing. We're talking about the same God that brought Egypt, the power, most powerful nation at the time, to its knees. The same God that parted the seas, that provided manna and quail in the wilderness to feed millions. Same God that brought fire down on Mount Carmel. And so much more. And here, Jesus is telling that we are to dress him as Abba, as Father. Right from the get-go, Jesus is drawing huge distinctions about what prayer is and isn't. And more accurately, about who God is and isn't. God is our Father. He's not some distant deity unconcerned with people. He's a father. A father that desires to be involved and a part of the world and lives of his people. The prayer is necessary and effective because we pray to our father, a God who is near. But then we go, okay, so even if he's father, does he actually hear us, right? Because let's be honest, not every single one of us has a great experience with their own father. And we can point to numerous examples of a father failing over and over and over again because father for us is a picture of a human being, a flawed person that will make mistakes. So does this father, this God, actually hear and respond to our prayers. And that leads to observation number two, the question that Jesus would then ask. Don't, don't you know that our Father hears us and responds? Don't you know that he cares enough to hear you, but not just hear you, but then respond to you? Let's take a look at this first strange kind of story that Jesus tells in response to the why of prayer. All right, Jesus sets up a situation where it's the middle of the night and one friend has uh, some just travelers, some other friends that come out of nowhere and show up at his house and ask to stay. And of course, being a good Middle Eastern person, where hospitality is the law, it's an unwritten law where no matter what, you're going to make sure that your guests are taken care of. So these three friends show up out of nowhere, and he's scrambling because he doesn't have the, the, the supplies in order to take care of them. He doesn't have the food to feed them. And so he rushes over to his neighbor's house and knocks on the door and says, please, 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 I know it's the middle of the night, but get up. I need three loaves of bread to help feed my friends. Now, our focus might turn here to the person knocking on the door. 
We may want to focus on that person and that person's persistence to continue knocking to make sure that person gets out of the bed in order to take care of them. But, But I think what Jesus wants us to also focus on is the person in bed, right? Here's this man, middle of the night, doing what you're supposed to be doing, sleeping, right? And he says, I'm in bed with my children, which was, it's a one bedroom house. So there's one bed for the whole family. So he's him, his wife, all his family are sleeping together. So you imagine if one of them gets up in the middle of the night, they're all getting up. And if you have children, you know, getting up in the middle of the night with children is so much fun. It's not. And so, of course, he's like, I'm not moving. But Jesus says that I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because of his friend, he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. You see, again, hospitality is the unwritten law of his time. Which means that no matter what, no matter the hour, no matter the need, one is expected to help their friend and neighbor. It would be unthinkable for anyone to tell their friend in the middle of the night, no matter the situation, get lost. Not going to help you. And Jesus hammers this home because he points out that it's not for the friendship, but the boldness of the friend Man will get up. The wording that Jesus uses here is better understood as uh, it's not the boldness of the man, but it's the avoidance of shame. The avoidance of shame that will cause this man to get up. The focus of this story is on the man in bed. In order to maintain his good name, in order to maintain his character, in order to avoid the scorn of his neighbors, to avoid shame, in responding to the pleas for help, he's going to get up. Because to not do so would go against everything that his culture is about, everything that his people is about, everything that he is about and claims to be. It goes against his character. And Jesus here is trying to point out that God will attend to our prayers. He will hear us and respond no matter the time of day, no matter the circumstances, how great or how small, he will respond for him not to just like this man would bring shame upon his name it's a manner of honor and dignity and consistency of character for God to respond to our prayers in order for God to remain consistent in who he is as father he will respond He will hear us. He will be willing to do whatever it takes to respond. This parable is about the honor of God's hallowed name and his character to remain consistent to being that father. God hears us and he responds. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. 
For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. Jesus is speaking to the character of God the Father who will hear you, will respond to all of your prayers. It's who he is. And it's his integrity to live as he calls himself, Father. But okay, he hears us and he responds. So why, why does this stuff still happen? If God hears my prayers to, to remove the cancer from my friend, if God hears my cries to heal my, my, my family member, if God hears my cries to provide that which I need, why doesn't he do anything? And that's what leads to observation number three. Don't you know that God will give us what we need? In his response, God will give us what is best for our good. Don't you know that God will give us what we need? He says it this way, which of your fathers, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Pretty simple picture, right? If you, as a human father, flawed as you are, a person who's going to make mistakes raising children, if you, when your child asks for food, gives them food instead of a snake or a scorpion, which is just pure evil, if you're able to do that, if you're able to hear the requests and respond accordingly in a loving manner, even though you are flawed in heart, because of sin, how much more will God respond to your cries with good? And this is a hard one because we have to come to the grips with God is going to respond for our eternal good. God is going to respond in a way that will ultimately be good for our eternity. Ultimately, we will be good for us. Listen what Jesus says again. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He doesn't say give you whatever you ask. Give you whatever your heart's desire. Give you anything you ask for. No, he says how much more will God give you the Holy Spirit? In other words, God is going to give us that which draws us nearer to him. And again, this is difficult. This is hard. Right, Because we can ask, okay, but I prayed that my friend would be healed. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't it a good thing that my, my friend, my neighbor, doesn't have to suffer through the pain of chronic illness any longer? Why is it good that they suffer through this? Why is it good that a person would go to a campus because of their anger and pain, and take the lives of innocent students. 
Why is that good? How is that a, a good thing for us? And the hard part is, is we, we don't really have a perfect answer for that. We don't really have a perfect answer for why God allows those things to happen. But we do have an answer to what he's doing through those things. It's not good that lives are taken. It's not good that people suffer. It's not good that we get angry and upset and things happen to us. That's not good. But what is good is that we have a God who hears us even in our anger, even in our strife, even in our shaking of our fist at God going, why? Why didn't you do this? And we can see that even in the midst of that mess, even in the midst of that brokenness, even in the midst of that darkness, good comes from it because we have a God who allows us to shake our fists at him and in doing so is there with us and hears us and responds by giving us his Holy Spirit, drawing us nearer to him. How many times have you heard it over and over and over again? I would not want to go through that situation again, but I learned a lot. And I experienced God in a new way through that mess. Because God didn't respond in the way I thought he would, but he did respond in being near, in being my father, concerned for me, Concerned enough to let me be angry, let me scream and cry and be so angry at him. Concerned enough to let me grieve, to let me have a shoulder to cry on. Because ultimately, that is what we need. We need him. We need him. In the end of days, we need him. More than anything else on this world, we need to be tied closely to our Father. And so in his response, God is going to do whatever he deems right in order to make sure that we are growing ever and ever closer with him. That may mean we suffer and experience pain. But even in the midst of the pain, he's going to respond. He's going to be there. He's going to be the one that puts his arm around and says, I'm sorry, I know. Don't you know that God will give us what we need? Not what we want, but what we need. And the truth is, he's already given us what we need. In the one who taught us how to pray. The good news of Jesus Christ is that in Jesus Christ we have everything we need. By living on this earth, living a perfect life and saying, though I am perfect, though I deserve nothing of it, I am going to lay down my life for you so that you can experience new life, so that you can be reunited with your Father, so that you can know 
He cares for you. He loves you. He's going to do everything it takes in order to to bring about your good, including hanging on a cross, dying, and suffering so that we may experience eternal life. Prayer is an invitation to relationship with that same God. An invitation to bear our souls, to bear ourselves to a Father who is loving, near, and caring, who hears our words, hears our hearts cry, and is willing to do whatever it takes to draw us closer into Him. Will respond in a way to give us more of his Holy Spirit to comfort us, to strengthen us, to push us forward into a relationship with him. And so the only thing that I can say in closing is pray. Pray. Pray knowing that you have a Father who is near. A Father who, because of His character as Father, will listen to you, will hear you, and will respond according to your eternal good and His will, which will work out in all things because it's His Spirit that He is giving you. In all things, pray because he is listening, because he is near. Let us pray. Our Father, how glorious it is that we can call you Father. That you claim that name, that you claim that character, that you claim to be a God who is not distant or, or far off or unconcerned with us, but is near, involved, and listening. God, we all come to you from different walks this week. Many of us with heavy hearts, with hearts that are groaning. Because though we prayed, it seems as though you didn't respond. So give us your spirit to see how you have drawn us nearer to you. That though we didn't get what we wanted, we may have gotten what we needed. Thank you for the ultimate gift to fulfill all of our needs in Jesus Christ. Give us the strength to pray, to always remember that you are near, that you are our Father, that you will listen, and you will give us more of your Spirit every day. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.